Okay, the Bible reading this morning is to Samuel. It's in your bulletins. Six, is it 19? 19, 16 to 23, and it's on page... See, I didn't have to tell you. 229. So it's a matter of finding it now. 22. Okay, 16. Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Bahurim, thanks Martin, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. With him were a thousand Benjaminites, along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household, and his 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed to the Jordan where the king was. They crossed at the ford to take the king's household over and to do whatever he wished. When Shimei, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king and said to him, May my lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind, for I, your servant, know that I have sinned. But today I have come here as the first from the tribes of Joseph to come down and meet my lord the king. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said, Shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's, yeah, he cursed the Lord's anointed. David replied, What does this have to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? What right do you have to interfere? Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Don't I know that today I am king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, John. And well done tackling those tricky names. I got onto a uh, website that helps with the pronunciation of names and the Hebrew person was giving all the pronunciations. That's always different to what we do. That was fascinating. Father God, I ask today that you would open these words to us, that we would understand this ancient text and the relevance of this old event for us today. And may we become more like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through the life of King David. And it's carried us up through the, the high mountain peaks of success in his life and the horrible valleys of failure as well. We've seen David walking in the power of God. We've seen him wallowing in the depths of sin. We've rejoiced with him in his victories. We've wept with him in his defeats. But through all the times of David's life, one thing has remained constant. And David has proven time and time again why he's called a man after my own heart. That's how God describes him, a man after my own heart. So how can, we, how can we say that David is a man after God's own heart when he's guilty of adultery, deceit, and murder? Well, what we fail to remember is that David was, in fact, 
a good man. But he was also simply a man. He's human like us. When he excelled, he rose to the top. When he failed, he fell to the very bottom. But through it all, David was quick to get things sorted out with the Lord his God. And yes, he failed, and he failed big. But when he was confronted with his sin, his confession was quickly offered and repentance swift in his life. David was a man after God's own heart because David kept short accounts with the Lord his God. And the passage we're considering today is one that reveals some more to us about the heart of David. He's returning to Jerusalem after the rebellion and the death of his son Absalom. And as David nears the city, he's met by a man named Shimi, according to the Hebrews. It's an E. It's a long E. Shimi. Yeah. Shimi had wronged David. And if anyone deserved David's hatred and wrath, it was Shimi. But David, when he comes face to face with Shimi, David doesn't react in anger or in malice. He reaches out to Shimi with compassion and forgiveness. So today I want to examine this meeting between David and Shimei on this particular occasion because David's reaction in these verses gives us a portrait of a forgiving heart and it teaches us all the lesson we need desperately to learn. So let's observe some of the elements of David's relationship with Shimei and these elements that will teach us how to respond when we are injured by others. And they teach us how to develop a forgiving heart. So let's have a look at this portrait of a forgiving heart. First of all, I want to look at the attack that David suffered. This is the first, the first part. So we're in, in chapter 19, I know that. But we need to go back a little bit to chapter 16 of 2 Samuel. Chapter 16, verses 5, well, on to about 23 actually. What we need to understand here is, is that... Um, now, let me read it for you. As King David approached Barim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out to meet him there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you scoundrel! The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you're a man of blood. That'll do for that reading. There's more of it, but that, that's enough to give, get a picture. So to understand 2 Samuel chapter 19, we need to go back to this chapter 16 because there are some events that occurred a few months earlier, and which I just read to you about. David is attacked by this, name, this man named Shimei. And Shimei, he uses some harsh words for this broken king as he's fleeing from Jerusalem during the rebellion of his son Absalom. So let's have a look at, at Shimei's attack. First of all, it involved some really caustic words. Because as David is, le is leaving the city of Jerusalem and his home, Shimei comes towards David and his men. And as he approaches, Shimei is said to be cursing, it says in verse 5. Well, the Hebrew word used for cursing there refers to things that are worthless and vile, disgraced or brought low. So it seems that Shimei is just reveling in the fact that David has been disgraced and brought low by his son Absalom. And he's now got to do the bolt out of the city of Jerusalem to save his own skin. 
But that's not all that, not all that Shimei has to say to David on that day. He calls him a man of blood and a scoundrel. Well, in fact, in the Hebrew, it says son of Belial. That's what it says in the Hebrew. He's a son of Belial. The Satanic Bible has a book of Belial, the sons of worthlessness. Don't read the Satanic Bible, by the way. You don't need to. Just know about it. It's there. So this phrase, a man of blood, means a murderer. And the phrase, son of Belial, or scoundrel, means a vain and worthless man. So as he approaches, Shimmy keeps on saying to David, get out of here, you murderer. Get out of here, you nobody. That's what he's saying to David. So these, these words of Shimmy, they must have cut the heart of David like a knife. Well, I'm sure that all of us have at some stage had, had hurtful things said about us. And when it happens, the things that are said about us, they hurt and they make us angry, don't they? So David was attacked by these caustic words. But it also involved cruel works. Because not only did Shimei use words to attack David, he also used stones. So whilst he hurls the words at David, he's also throwing rocks at David. Tell you what, he was bold. No, because Shimei is, uh, David's surrounded by his army. You know? He's still there. He's, still got, he's, throwing, he's throwing rocks at him. So the, so the words are to, are to hurt David's heart and, and the stones are to hurt David's flesh. Shimei is doing his best to humiliate David as he's fleeing from the city. Brothers and sisters, it hurts us when we are attacked by, by other people. When people hurl words in our directions or when they attack us publicly or even behind, us, behind our backs. It rips us to the bone when we're humiliated by the words and the deeds of others. Have you ever been there? Yeah, me too. Well, not only did David suffer these caustic words and these cruel works, it involved also some really calloused ways because some of, the, of what Shimmy said was certainly true. David was guilty, in fact, of murder, though I'm not so sure that many people actually knew about it because, remember, he murdered Uriah the Hittite. He put him in the front of the battle line and said, withdraw from him, and so Uriah was killed. So David surely knew he was a murderer. So whilst he was a man of blood, that part is true, the rest of what Shimei says are lies because David was not a vain and worthless man. He was God's chosen king of Israel. And in spite of his failures and his foolishness, David was still God's anointed. And as such, he should have been respected by that fact alone. It says in 1 Chronicles 16 verse 22, Do not touch my anointed ones. That's what God says. Do not touch my anointed ones and do not touch my prophets. So he should have been respected. And in fact, David had even more integrity than Shimei had. Because when David was killed, had the, the opportunity to, king, to kill King Saul, David refused to lay his hand on God's anointed man. He didn't do it. Have a look at, at chapter 16, verse 8, if you would. Shimei is speaking. Let me start from, from halfway through verse 7. He says, get out, get out, you man of blood, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you're a man of blood. Interesting. That verse 8 
it contains nothing but blatant lies. There are three really strong lies in that verse. First, the first lie is that God is getting revenge against David for murdering Saul and his family. Well, Saul committed suicide and his sons died in battle. David had nothing to do with that. Then he says, David, you stole the throne. Well, that is a lie because the throne was given to David by a sovereign act of God. And then he says, God's given your throne to Absalom. That's a lie. Absalom took the throne by rebellion. So here's the bottom line. Shimei is the son of Belial. Shimei is the worthless scoundrel. He's the liar. He's the kind of person who's going to kick another man when he's down. And at this moment in time, David is at the lowest point of his life. His kingdom, his family are in a shambles. He's an outcast. He's on the run from his son. And in the midst of all that, here comes Shimei. He finds David at a vulnerable moment and he attacks him. It doesn't get lower than that. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been kicked when you're down? It really hurts when that happens. David's reaction against to Shimei at that time, though, is worthy of noticing because David's, David's nephew, Abishai, he offers to kill Shimei straight away. He says, off with the bloke's head. You know, he shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. And he deserves to die. Shimei deserves to die in this situation. But instead of allowing Shimei to be put to death, David responds in the most amazing fashion. He says, you know, let him alone. Maybe the Lord has told him to do this. Maybe he's right. And if he is, so be it. But if he's wrong, the Lord will work it out. And in his time, and in his own way. Brothers and sisters, that takes grace, that takes love, and that takes mercy. David may have been in one of the lowest points in his life, but this is a high watermark of self-control for a man who has an army round about him. And I think it teaches us a few lessons as well. What are we supposed to do when we're attacked? Are we supposed to get even? Yeah, Get your pound of flesh? When someone hurts us, we want to hurt them twice as bad, don't we? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? No. We're supposed to do just what David did. We're supposed to place the matter in the hands of the Lord and leave it with him. He knows what was said. He knows what was done. He knows the motive behind the attack in the first place. And he knows how to settle the score if it needs to be settled. I know we're studying the Old Testament at the moment, but we've got to find these principles also in the New Testament somewhere, I'm quite sure. Have a look at Romans chapter 12, verses 14 to 21. The Apostle Paul is writing. He's writing to the Christians. That's you and me. Listen to what he says. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. That's how you get revenge. You be kind to these people. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Good wins over evil. 
You might not see it in this world at the moment, but ultimately, good wins. Okay? We have it in the Word. This is the contract. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, says God. Proverbs 24, verse 29 says, Do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay him back for what he did. Do not say that. We're not to be that kind of people. God knows how to give you grace to get past the hurts. God's design for his children is that we become like Jesus. And Jesus did not retaliate, did he? When he was walking on this earth, we don't see that happening. So the next time you are cursed, you're attacked, you're threatened, you're lied about, what are you going to do? Well, let me tell you something. If you step out of sight of God's will, you're going to handle the situation yourself. Or you can take the high road and leave it completely in God's hands. By the way, if you determine you're going to be like Jesus, you better grow a very tender heart and a really thick skin. You need to do that. Because this is not an easy road to walk. I know that from personal experience. I've been a pastor for too long. We need to learn to be like David, to deal with these kinds of matters at the very moment that the offense happens. Because when David was first offended by Shimei, he dealt with it at that moment, right then. And if you don't deal with it straight away, the hurt is going to fester. And when, thing, when hurt festers in your heart, it grows worse and worse. It becomes far more dangerous. If, you're not more, if you are not diligent in handling matters the right way, the offense, it grows into resentment. And then it's just a short step into bitterness. And from that comes hatred. And out of that comes revenge. So it's wise to learn to place your hurts in the, in the hands of the Lord and walk away from them. The Lord God can handle matters much better than we can. I've been in numerous disputes in the years of being in ministry. And I've done my best to leave it in God's hands. And God handles it every single time. Well, let's move on. Let's have a look now. Back to chapter 19 in 2 Samuel, verses 16 to 20. Shimei, a son of Gerah, the Benjamite from Barim, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. With him were a thousand Benjamites, along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household, and his 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed to the Jordan where the king was. They crossed at the ford to take the king's household over and do whatever they he wished. When Shimei, son of Gerah, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king and said to him, May my Lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. But today I have come here as the first of the whole household of Joseph to come down and meet my Lord the king. So what's happened here? Months have passed. The rebellion of, of Absalom has been quashed. David is returning home. He and his men are crossing the Jordan. And several people are gathered to, to meet his, this returning king. And among them is old Shimei. Or Shimei. I'm going to get it right. With a thousand of his men. So let's examine what happens the second time these guys meet. Well, first of all, in verse 18, there's a humble confession. When Shimei comes before David, he falls at his feet in humility. 
Now, this is a far different attitude that he displayed last time their paths crossed together. Perhaps Shimi has had some time to contemplate his mistakes. And there's also an honest confession. Shimi says the three hardest words known to man, I have sinned. They are hard words to say to someone else. So he makes a full and complete confession of his wrong in his attack on David. And there's also a hopeful confession because Shimi, he hopes that David won't hold the past against him. So as you read this passage on face value, it seems that, that he's genuinely sorry for what he's done. He's hopeful that David will offer him forgiveness. I think it takes a real man to do that, to come to someone and say, I've sinned against you. Now, there's some debate, by the way, amongst the scholars on this particular text as to whether uh, the, the confession of Shimi was sincere or whether he was just attempting to save his hide. But there's no evidence from the scripture that there was anything but a sincere repentance. He actually was asking for forgiveness. So let's take that account on face value. But before we look at David's response to Shimi, I think we need to take a few moments to... to to find something that speaks to our own hearts because the truth is that all of us, we've all been hurt, haven't we? But the sadder truth to all of this is that we've all been on the other side. We've been the ones that have done the hurting. We've been the aggressors. We're all guilty of saying something out of turn, about talking about someone else, about doing hurtful things, maybe even telling lies about someone else. And when life finds us in that position, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do exactly what Shimi did. We are to go to the person we've offended. We are to confess to them we've done wrong. And we are to seek their forgiveness. That's the clear teaching of the Bible. Have a look, if you will, at the teaching of our Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. Verses 23 and 24. He says, Therefore, says the Lord Jesus, if you are offering your, guilt, your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, right? remembering that there's something on the account on the other side that you should have paid but you haven't, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So if you've offended someone, if you've said the wrong thing, if you know someone's got something against you, Jesus says, go and be reconciled. We need to be doing that. It's very important. Shimi was doing that. That's exactly what he did. In fact, in James chapter 5, verse 16, what does it say? Confess your sins. I need to go and say I'm sorry. When I've offended someone, another person. Well, let's move on a little bit. That, that's Shimei on one hand. Let's look again at David now in, in, chapter, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 21 to 23. This is a fascinating account. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah, said, Shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. David replied, What do you and I have in common, you sons of Zeruiah? This day you have become my adversaries. Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? I mean, he's quite magnanimous now. He's returning. He's the king. Do I not know that today I am king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. So here's the amnesty that David is supplying now. Because when, when, when David hears 
Shimei's confession. He responds to Shimei in grace and not in retaliation. But notice what David did at this moment in time, because there's a lesson for each of us who get hurt from time to time. Verse 21, what did David prevent? Well, have a look at verse 21. Abishai, son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah, said, shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. Abishai wants to kill Shimei. This is the second time, by the way, he wants to kill him. David prevents his violent nephew from killing this humbled man. In other words, David stands as protector of the very person who's wronged him. That's called grace, isn't it? An undeserved free gift. That's what grace is. That's what David's doing here. Have a look at verse 22. What David perceives. What do you and I have in common, you sons of Zeruiah? This day you've become my adversaries. Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Do I not know that today I'm king over Israel? David perceives that this is a day of rejoicing. This is a day of forgiveness. This is a day David can be magnanimous. And he also perceived it as a day of grace in his own life because David is now returning to glory to reclaim his throne and he only does so because God has forgiven him. And then God gives him the grace, grace that he didn't deserve, he can now give to someone else. Haven't you been forgiven? Don't you have a bunch of grace given to you that you do not deserve? Well, give it to someone else. And what does David promise? Have a look at verse 23. So the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. So David promises forgiveness and amnesty to Shimei. Why? Well, it's not been many days since David himself has sinned against Uriah and Bathsheba and the nation of Israel and the God of heaven. And when David had bowed down before the Lord and confessed his sins, God freely forgave him. Now, God, now David extends the same grace to the one who wrongs him greatly. David's response to Shimei demonstrates what our own response should be when we, when, we are given, when we have faced the opportunity to forgive someone. First of all, we need to remember that even at our very best, none of us are perfect. All perfect people, please put up your hand. Well, in Jesus you might be. For the rest, we know you. We've all sinned against God. We've all sinned against others. And we've all been forgiven many times. We have a responsibility to forgive others when they sin against us. What does Jesus say? Well, Matthew chapter 18. Have a look. Matthew chapter 18. There's a whole passage that's wonderful. It teaches all about that. When your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. If he listens to you, you've, not, you've won your brother over. If you've not listened, take two or three people. You know, the whole deal of this, this whole passage there. And then the next passage is about the, un, the, un, the, the parable of the unmerciful servant. In this whole passage, Jesus is speaking again and again and again. You need to be forgiving. You need to be forgiving. You need to be forgiving. Because if you're not forgiving... Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. How do I know God's going to forgive me? If I forgive you. If I act in forgiveness, 
If I walk in forgiveness constantly, I know that when I come before my Father in heaven, I will be forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. That's something to shout about, isn't it? That should be the hallmark of the Christian. I am a forgiving person. I had to go and get some, new, some medicine at the chemist the other day. And I handed in my script. And I'm standing there, and I'm standing there, and I'm standing there, and I'm standing there. All these other people came in, they got the script, and they walk away. And I'm standing there. I thought, oh my goodness, you know, what's going on here? Finally, the lady behind the counter goes like, oh my. She blasphemed, but you know. You're here. I said, yes, I have not moved. I've been standing, I've been standing one and a half meters from the counter this whole 25 minutes. So didn't you leave the shop? I said, no, I'm a big fellow, notice me. I've been standing right here the whole time. And she goes, blasphemes again. Said, I'm like, here's your script. I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. I said, look, don't worry, I'm in the forgiving business. Said, what? I forgive because I've been forgiven. I could have bawled her out and said, you know, you're just a lousy person. You know, you, can't you see me? I'm a big person. Nah. Jesus says forgive. Let's forgive. Let's do that. Let's do it all the time. Jesus says something elsewhere in, 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 Matthew, in Luke chapter uh, 17, verses 1 to 5. Jesus says to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to the person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around the neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. As there. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. And then the apostles say, increase our faith. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but Jesus says, forgive him and forgive him and forgive him again. Let's keep at it. Do you get the picture? Forgiveness is really important. So we need to remember we're not perfect We've been forgiven, so let's forgive someone else. And the second thing is, just as we should be quick to forgive, we should learn to express our forgiveness. In other words, don't just think it, say it. When something happens, we may pray about the matter and leave it with the Lord, but if the offending party, the, the offending party needs to know that they have been forgiven, we need to reach out to the people that reach out to us. When someone recognizes they've sinned against us, we need to say, I forgive you. They need to hear it from our lips. Now, what if someone hurts us and they don't deal with it? Can we hold the grudge then? Is it all right to be angry with them until they come around and beg for forgiveness? No, it's not. Regardless of what they do to us or say to us, we should have the same spirit that Jesus displayed when he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That should be us. We should say, no, they just don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. They're so broken. Forgive them, Father. I'm going to forgive them. So far, this has all been, been about your forgiveness. But let me share this before, before I close this morning. David may have forgiven Shimi, but David never forgot what Shimi did. And I want to say that that kind of forgiveness is probably not forgiveness at all, really, because... The last request David has before he dies, talks to his son Solomon. And on his deathbed, David commands Solomon to be sure that Shimei pays for the evil he's done. Solomon eventually carries out his command and Shimei is executed. See, what Solomon does is he makes a deal with Shimei. He says, look, Shimei, here's the deal. You are to be executed, but here's the deal I'm going to make with you. 
You stay in this particular place. You stay in this city, you'll be safe. Shimi says, that's a great idea. I'll stay in this city and I'll be safe. Well, something happens and Shimi has to leave town and go and deal with somebody elsewhere. Solomon finds out and he says, Shimi, I made the deal. He's executed. David's forgiveness wasn't perfect, was it? People forgive like this story. I had a wonderful story which I found. There was a man who was lying in a hospital bed. He was dying. And as he lay there, he, he suddenly remembered about uh, an old enemy that he held a grudge, a grudge against. And he calls the nurse to his bedside and he says, Nurse, please summon my old enemy. The enemy arrives and the man opens one eye and he says to the man, My enemy, I have called you here today to say I'm sorry for all the wrong I've, wrong I've done to you. And he pauses and he opens both eyes and he says, But mind you, if I ever get better, be sure the, whole, the old grudge still holds. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God does not forgive you that way? God does not forgive us like that. That's human. Godlike behavior is completely different. When God forgives, he also forgets. Jeremiah chapter 31, 34. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Thank God. That truth, by the way, is sounded forth in the Bible again and again and again. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's interesting. On the globe, you can go to the most northern point. You can go to the most southerly point. You cannot go to the most easterly point or the most westerly point. They keep on going round. That's what the point of that picture. Isaiah 38, verse 17. Chapter 38, verse 17. God says, I put all your sins behind my back. What's behind your back you can't see? Isaiah 43, 25, God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. That's encouraging. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 20, In those days at that time, declares the Lord, search will be made for Israel's guilt, but there will be none. And for the sins of Judah, but none will be found, for I forgive the remnant I spare. If you are spared by God, you are forgiven. Micah chapter 7 verse 19. You will again on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our, all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. That's how God forgives us. That's how God purifies us. There are a lot more passages, that's just a handful. But get the point. When God forgives you, you are completely and utterly forgiven. And he remembers your sin no more. It is dealt with. He's dealt with it on the cross of our Lord Jesus. His blood has made it clean. That takes effort. That takes grace. And for us, it might take us all the time we've got on this planet. But we should strive to give forgiveness to the same level that we have received forgiveness. And that's why the disciples said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Brothers and sisters, how are you doing in, the, in this whole arena of forgiveness? Are you practicing the kind of forgiveness that pleases the Lord? Or are you in the business of holding grudges and getting even? If there's a hurt that needs to be forgiven, now's a good time to deal with it. If you are the offending party, now is a good time to come to another person and say, I'm sorry. We should seek to forgive to the same level we've been forgiven. 
and we should seek to keep short accounts with our brothers and sisters. I can condense the whole morning down to two statements. When we are wrong, we need to admit it. And when we've been wrong, we need to forgive and walk away from it. That's what we need to do. Just remember those two last two sentences. You'll be fine. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we've been able to learn this morning from this ancient text and the incredible relevance for our living today. We do want to be a people, Father, who admit our wrongs. And we do want to be a people who forgive just as you have forgiven us. Fill us afresh with your spirit, Lord, so that we can be more like Jesus and walk like him every day that we have left on this earth. May we be your effective representatives. We are truly in the forgiving business. Let us exercise that to the best of our ability. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.